are continuing our series today entitled Set Foot on the Road Never Traveled. Today, we will look at Joshua chapter 3, Facing the Uncrossable. New Year brings about new opportunities and new beginnings. But as we journey on this new path before us, it gives us new opportunities and new challenges as well. Perhaps today you are already facing those challenges. Maybe you are in a difficult situation. Perhaps you are given a task that is overwhelming. Or maybe you are facing a challenging circumstance that is beyond your capacity. And it keeps you from moving ahead. So what do you do during these times? How do you face the uncrossable? How do you move forward so that you can fulfill and accomplish what God is calling you to do? Today, I invite you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 3 and together let us learn from the experience of Israel and let us learn the biblical principles on how to face the uncrossable. The people of Israel entered a new season in their journey. After 40 years of wandering around in the desert, a new generation grew up. Moses is now dead and Joshua has been appointed by God as the new leader of the people of Israel. Now they are ready to take the new land. They are now by the entrance to Canaan, but one major obstacle stands in their way, and that is the Jordan River. The Jordan River is a prominent feature in ancient Israel. It's one of the fastest flowing rivers of its size. It runs from north to south, from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. And this created a natural boundary between Canaan and the lands to the east. So before Joshua and Israel could conquer the promised land, they have to cross this Jordan River. And that is what God said in verse 1 to 2 of chapter 1. The Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am giving them. So what did Joshua do? He prepared and he obeyed. In chapter 2, we've learned that Joshua sent out spies to survey the immediate vicinity across the river. And here in chapter 3, verse 1 tells us that early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before their crossing. But when they arrived, what did they find out? It says in verse 15 that the Jordan is at flood stage during all harvest. Look at this photo. During flood stage, the waters in the Jordan are turbulent and dangerous to cross. And during this harvest season, the river is about 1.6 kilometers wide in some areas and about 40 feet deep in some places. And so in short, the Jordan River is impossible to cross. It is uncrossable. In 1850s, someone attempted to cross the Jordan River and an author documented this event and wrote the following. In 1854, an expert swimmer was unable to make it across the river near Jericho because the river was too wide and the current too strong. Again, the Jordan River is not difficult to cross. It is impossible. Now, verse 2 tells us that Joshua and the people of Israel camped near the river for three days. So for the next three days, they were there, stuck at the edge of the Jordan River, and all they could see is the strong current raging down the river. Now, if you were Joshua... How would you feel if you were one of those Israelites? What would you do? What would you think? And how would you feel? Most likely, you'd be discouraged and you'd feel helpless. Perhaps you'd ask, how can we ever cross this river? We're not strong enough. 
Not all of us are expert swimmers. What can we do? There are millions of us. We have a lot. We have children. We have lots of people. We have old people as well. And how about our possessions? How can we bring across our supplies and weapons? But amazingly, Joshua and the people of Israel waited by the Jordan. So what happened? Verses 2 to 3 tells us, At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from the place and follow it. This was a defining moment for Joshua's leadership. Joshua has taken over the leadership role from Moses. And this new leader, Joshua, is facing an uncrossable river. But God ordered him and the people to cross. Now, I want you to pay attention to the narrative lens of the scripture and its focus. In the story, the narrative lens wasn't focused on the river. Think about it. If I am making a film, for example, I'm making a Korean drama and I'm filming a scene of crossing the Jordan River, my camera would focus on the river. But the biblical lens is not focused on the river. Only one verse highlighted that the Jordan River was flooded. And that's it. Another option is to focus the camera to Joshua, the new leader. I would capture Joshua's face, maybe the drama in his face, and then try to understand what's going on in his mind at that time. But the focus wasn't on Joshua. Now, I could also focus, aside from Joshua or the river, I could also focus on the, fe- on the people. I would shift my camera to f- and pan out and zoom out to focus on the people and show their sense of excitement and anxiety as they prepared to cross. But again, the biblical lens wasn't focused on the people. Now, if the biblical focus wasn't on Joshua, wasn't on the river, it wasn't on the people, then what was the focus? The focus is on a small box, four and a half feet long, two and a half feet deep, and two and a half feet wide. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. For the people of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. It's a visual guarantee that the Lord was with them. Now, in this story, in Joshua chapter 3, the Ark was mentioned 10 times. It was mentioned 10 times. Why? The writer wants to show us that the Ark is more important than anything else in the story. You see, the story of Joshua chapter 3, it's all about the Ark and not the river. It's about the Ark of God and not the leader. It's about the Ark of the Covenant and not about the people. The writer wants to show us that God is the hero of the story. And that is the first principle that we can learn. When facing the uncrossable, focus on God. When facing the uncrossable, focus on God. Friends, whatever difficulties and situation that you are facing right now, focus on the Lord. Fix your eyes on God. Don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on people. Don't even focus on your circumstance. Instead, focus on God. And that is the secret to overcoming. Now, how do you focus on God? Well, here it shows us that the Israelites focus on God by letting the ark lead the way. When the ark moves forward, they move ahead. Where the ark goes, they follow. And as the ark moved, the people fixed their eyes on the ark and they kept a fixed distance from it. And that is important because it said that they have been there and they are traveling in the way they've never been before. And that is the same thing for us. For the Israelites, the ark is like the spiritual GPS or the spiritual ways that guided them in their journey. And so for all of us, it is the same. We need the guidance of the presence of God as we move forward, especially this 2023. 
We may have our hopes, our dreams, our goals for this year. But when all is said and done, it is only God who knows how to guide us and how to lead us. Because the crucial point is, just like the ancient Israelites, we have never been in this way before. So may the Lord help us. Now, how about us today? How do we focus on God? We don't have the Ark of the Covenant today, but what we have is what it represented. First, the Ark contained the stone tablets or the Ten Commandments. And today, we have God's commandments in God's Word, the Bible. We don't have the Ark, but we have the book to guide us. Second, the Ark represented God's presence with His people. Today, we have God's presence through the Holy Spirit. If you believe the gospel, if you entrusted your life to Christ, then God, the Holy Spirit, is living in you right now. So how do you focus on God? Rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit as you read and confirm it through God's Word. Read God's Word, study it and memorize it and meditate on it. And here's one practical step that you can do to focus on God. Join us in our Project Ezra. It's our CBCP's Bible reading program. And this year, we are going through the New Testament and the Psalms. I encourage you to check our Facebook page and see its details. Together, as one church and one family, let us focus on God, let us grow in our intimacy with the Lord, and be Bible-rooted. Now, how else did the people focus on God? It says, Joshua commanded them to consecrate themselves. In the same way, we need to consecrate ourselves. Look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. To consecrate means to set apart as holy. It is a time of confessing sins, of asking God for forgiveness, of seeking Him. It is a time of returning to God in repentance. In the Old Testament, this time of consecration usually includes external cleansing. Why? Because it is a symbol of their internal cleansing. The people of Israel remove their dirty clothes and change into a new one. So it's a representation of the inner cleansing that God is doing in their life. And so the people had to prepare themselves spiritually before God works and before they see God at work. Now think about it. If you're a soldier, you're going to war, then it's obviously you need to prepare physically and mentally. If you were a soldier, during um, preparing before to go to war, you would do drills and you would have endurance training. But look at what Joshua did. Instead of preparing physically and mentally, however important those things are, he prepared the people spiritually and Joshua prioritized spiritual preparation. Why? Because Joshua understands this principle. Before God can do work for them, he has work to do in them. Before God can do work for his people, God has to work in the hearts of his people first. And what would help them to cross over the Jordan is not their military strength, but it is the strength from the Lord. And so, dear church, as we move forward this 2023, we also need God's strength and guidance as we journey on the road we never traveled. And here's one practical step that you and I can do to consecrate ourselves in the Lord. I invite you to join us in our upcoming Reset this coming January 25 to 27. That would be Wednesday nights to Friday nights. And uh, please watch out for the coming announcements on this event. Join us as we pray and fast and seek the Lord. And as one church and one family, let us focus on God. Let us consecrate ourselves and rededicate our lives to Him so that we, we can fully follow Him. And may the Lord help us.
Next, as you face the uncrossable, not only you focus on God, but also follow in faith. Follow in faith. Verses 7 to 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that you may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. This was a defining moment for Joshua. God commanded Joshua that it's now time to cross the Jordan. But as mentioned earlier, there's a big problem. The Jordan is flooded, it's impossible to cross, and the raging waters could easily sweep down away all of the people. Now, if you were Joshua, what would you do? Will you follow God or not? Amazingly, Joshua obeyed the Lord. And what helped them or what helped Joshua? First, Joshua received God's encouragement. God said to Joshua, I will be with you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. What a promise from God. Here is Joshua, a new leader, and he is facing a challenging task ahead. But God said, I will be with you as I was with Moses. My wife and I have a friend working in a multinational company, and she's the head of the expat management team of their company. And her work is to take care of the expats that they hire. And so her focus is to help them relocate to a new country where they are assigned, it's to help them find good school for their kids, and it's to help them in any way that they can so that they can focus on their work and not worry about anything. And especially during the pandemic, the company made sure that all their expats and their families are safe. They had all the support that they needed. And the company anticipated the needs of the expats and even have an exit strategy just in case war breaks out in certain countries, especially those assigned in the Middle East. And these expats, because of the uh, help of the company, they never worry that much because they know that they are in good hands and the company is taking care of them. Their needs are taken care of. Now, thinking about it, it also made me reflect. We have a God who is more powerful and have more resources than any multinational company. And God has promised to be with us. Just as God promised to be with Joshua, he also gives us that same promise. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, God will never leave us nor forsake us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. And this should be our encouragement and assurance that we can follow God in faith. Now let's continue. As God encouraged Joshua, Joshua now encouraged the people of Israel. Verses 9 to 13. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And as soon as the priests who carried the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now notice what Joshua did not do. He did not negotiate with God regarding the timing of the crossing. Joshua did not go to God and said, Lord, excuse me, please understand, you don't know that it's the wrong time. Today is flood season and it is the wrong time to cross the Jordan. So Lord, have mercy and be gracious to us. Maybe we can cross after a few weeks, but for now we cannot cross. 
here's what we can do. Maybe once in a while, we will check the waters. And after three days, we'll get back to you. When the water subsided, then we can let you know. Please have mercy on us. No, Joshua did not do that. Also, Joshua did not negotiate with God regarding the manner of the crossing. God gave clear instructions to Joshua and said, tell the priest to step on the edge of the water and stay there. And Joshua did not negotiate and said, Lord, baka naman pwedeng sa dulo na lang, not, not on the water, but maybe just on the edge, but not getting our feet wet. Maybe the priest can stand near the river because the current is so strong, it, they might be swept away. No, Joshua did not do that. He did not negotiate with God regarding the manner and the timing of the crossing. And so here is something else that Joshua did that, that helped him to follow in faith, his knowledge of God. Joshua knows who God is. Joshua knows who God is. Look again at verse 10. Joshua said that God is the living God. And verse 11 and 13, Joshua added, God is the Lord of all the earth. God is the living God and God is the Lord of all the earth. And here's the principle that we can learn. You can genuinely follow someone you don't trust and you can fully trust someone you don't know. You can genuinely follow someone you don't trust and so you can fully trust someone you don't know. Does that make sense? Joshua followed God in faith because he trusted God and Joshua trusted the Lord because he knows him. Joshua knows his God. He has seen for the last 40 years God's power, goodness, and faithfulness. He has seen how God sent the 10 plagues back in Egypt. He has seen how the Lord divided the Red Sea and redeemed Israel. He has seen how God provided manna, meat, and water from the rock in the wilderness. And Joshua saw and experienced how God delivered them in their battles. Joshua knew who God is. And that's the question for us as well. Do you know your God? And do you trust him? Do you have an experience that, would, that you could say, I know my God, I know the Lord whom I follow. May God help us. My wife and I just celebrated our 11th anniversary last January 7. And I remember one week after we got married, I told my wife, I feel a strong leading from the Lord to go into full-time ministry. And so we both decided to seek the Lord and pray about it and seek God through his word as well. And as we prayed and confirmed to the Lord that it is the right direction. And so we made that decision. But, uh, in the midst of that decision, it's quite challenging because in reality, I'm already 31 and as newly married, and I'm just uh, starting my family, our finances are just enough. And I was having a major promotion at work. And so to give up my engineering career to study in Bible school is quite daunting. It means I would be unemployed for the next three years. And by the time I graduate and become a pastor, I will be 34 years old. So it's quite late in a sense. Humanly speaking, it was a crazy idea. And considering the timing and my circumstance back then, it's more logical to say, Lord, wag na lang, we'll just pass. Or I could have even negotiated with God and said, Lord, maybe I can continue with my work as an engineer and I'll just study part-time in the seminary. But there is a clear direction and clear instruction from the Lord. Surrender your career and then study full-time to become a pastor. That was very clear. And so by God's grace, my wife and I said yes to God's calling and we followed in faith. 
Now, what helped us and helped me follow in faith, it's something that I've experienced in the past. I believe God's word and promises. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I held on to that word. And also I told my wife, I told her, honey, don't worry. For the last 20 years, I have tasted and seen God's goodness and faithfulness. I have seen how God provided for me when our family transferred from Rizal to Quezon City. And I have seen how God led me to study in PAQC in high school and then UST in college. I have seen how God provided a scholarship for me to finish engineering. And I have experienced also God's provision by giving me work and eventually bringing us together to become husband and wife. I have experienced God's goodness and faithfulness. Indeed, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I did not lack anything all these years. So don't worry. And that is something that we held on to. Again, the, dear church, the question for us, how well do you know your God? How well do you know the Lord that you follow? Will you trust him and obey him when you follow him in faith? May the Lord help us. At this point, let us reflect on what Joshua said about who God is. First, he said, God is the living God and then the Lord of all the earth. First, God is the living God. The book of Joshua is a story about the conquest in the land, the conquest of the promised land. But it's quite interesting how the book started and ended. It starts with one funeral and ended with three funerals. Joshua begins with the death and funeral of Moses and ended with the death and funeral of Joshua, funeral of Eleazar, and the funeral of Joseph that came from Egypt. Now, why would the book about conquest start and end about funerals? Here's why, and there is a the theological lesson behind this. Joshua is showing us that God's servant may die, but God remains alive. God's minister may pass away, but God's mission continues. And that is the great encouragement for us. God's worker may cease, but God's work continues on. And this is a great encouragement for us, that God is a living God. And also, this reality should humble us. Why? It tells us that none of us are indispensable, especially for those of us serving in the ministry. Now we praise God for the newly inducted deacons. They will be serving for the next three years, Lord willing. But here's the point. Whether you're a church volunteer or a full-time staff, whether you're a pastor, an elder, or a deacon, whether you're a business owner or a manager, none of us are indispensable. The ministry that we have, the work, the vocation that we have is God's gift to us. It is God's gift to you. And God has given you the privilege to serve him during this season in our lives, in your life. And so be grateful and serve the Lord with joy and with humility and do your best. Do all you can to serve him faithfully because this is God's gift to us. Now, declaring that God is a living God is also an encouragement to the people of Israel. Remember that they are entering a land in which people worship lifeless idols. These people worship idols made of gold, silver, wood, and stone. But in contrast, the people of Israel is serving the living God. And this living God is the one who is able, who is the one that is powerful, and he will fulfill the plans and the promises to his people. And that is the reality that the book of Joshua is telling us that our God is the living God. But not only that, God is also the Lord of the earth. The word Lord in Hebrew is the word Adonai, which means master. And as master, God is someone who has the power and authority and sovereignty over all the earth. In Hebrew, the word earth 
Iserets, which could also be translated as lands or countries. So the Lord is the Lord of all the earth. He is the Adonai, the master of all the lands and the countries. And so if God is the master of all the earth, he is the owner of everything, including the promised land, right? God owns the promised land. And since God owns it, he has the power and the authority to give the land of Canaan to the people of Israel. Dear friends, the God of Joshua and the God of Israel is also our God. He is the Lord of all the earth who owns everything. And he is the living God who is able and is working to fulfill his plans and promises in our lives. So as you face the uncrossable, focus your eyes on God and follow the Lord in faith. The last, when crossing the uncrossable, step forward with courage. You see, it is not enough to say, Lord, I want to focus on you. Yes, Lord, I will follow you in faith. But we also need to step forward with courage. In verse 13, Joshua boldly said, And as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, listen to that. What was God's condition? God said to the priest through Joshua, step into the water first. Go into the water. Now, if you were the priest, would you obey? Perhaps you would tell Joshua, or Joshua, we've heard the great story of how God divided the Red Sea. Would you please ask God to do the same miracle? Ask him to divide the Jordan first and then we will cross on dry land. Then we, make, then we can experience the same miracle that God did to Moses 40 years before. This is something that the priest could have done. But by faith, the priest stepped out into the water and got their feet wet. They got their feet wet. And in the same way, we need to get our feet wet first. We need to get our feet wet first. You see, here's the problem for many of us. Before we move forward, we tend to ask God for a sign. Many times we want God to show us the miracle before we move forward. We tell the Lord, Lord, I don't want to get my feet wet. Please dry up the Jordan first, then I will move forward. But it doesn't work that way. At times, God requires us to step forward with courage first. He wants us to get our feet wet before he opens a way for us. I remember when Michelle and I decided to give up my engineering career and go to a Bible school to be equipped for full-time ministry. The very next day, Boksu invited her to his office. And Boksu told my wife that he would ask me one last time if I will be willing to go into full-time ministry. If I say yes, Boksu would make the arrangements for the church to pay for my studies. And also the church would give me an allowance to help provide for my family while I'm studying. My wife was surprised and amazed at the timing of this event. Just the day before, Michelle and I just made the decision to follow God in faith. And after we chose to get our feet wet, God then immediately opened a way for us. And that day, God taught us a great lesson in faith that we need to move forward with courage. As for Joshua and the people of Israel, God opened a way for them to cross the river. That's what it says in verses 16 to 17. The waters from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled and was completely cut off. And so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now, this Jordan crossing, is it a true story or is it just a fantasy? Is it really a miracle? Well, in the in year 12, 
1927, an earthquake happened and it stopped the flow of the Jordan River. And that is why some people believe that an earthquake allowed the Israel to cross across the Jordan. And that is possible. But that doesn't change the fact that what happened is a miracle. Why? First, because the timing was miraculous. It happened that as soon as the feet of the priest touched the water, something happened. The water stopped flowing. And second, the writer tells us that Israel crossed on dry ground, not muddy ground. So that means the water really stopped flowing. And third, as soon as the entire nation crossed, the water flowed back again. And here's the point. Crossing the Jordan River is a true story about God's faithfulness. The Jordan River crossing is a testament to the work and the power of God to do impossible things for his people. And that is the point. Now, oftentimes, we don't see God's immediate miracle. And that's what happened actually in the story. We don't see God's miracle immediately. Read carefully verses 15 to 16. And when the feet of the priest carrying the ark were deep into the edge of the water, the waters which were flowing down from above stood and rose up in one heat, a great distance away at Adam, the city that is besides Zarethan and those which were flowing down towards the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. Did you hear that? It says the water stood and rose up in one heap. Where? A great distance away at the city of Adam. From Adam to where the people of Joshua is, that's about 24 kilometers away. That's about the distance between CBCP Discipleship Center and Naia Terminal 1. That's quite far, 24 kilometers away. Now, if you're in the Jordan River, you cannot see 24 kilometers upstream. And so what happened in the story? In the story, when the priests were carrying the ark, they stepped into the river. The water stopped immediately, but it was 24 kilometers away. But at the place where the priest stood and where the Joshua was, the water is still flowing down. And so here's the point. When the miracle happened, it already happened far away, but the people couldn't see it happening where they are standing because it was miles away. This means that they have at least 24 kilometers of water flowing down to them. And so from their point of view, it's as if the miracle has not happened yet. It's as if nothing has happened even though the miracle has begun. Now, why do you think God allowed this to happen? Why do you think God parted the waters of the Jordan far away from where the people stood. You see, I believe it is to strengthen their faith. Yes, they focus on God. Yes, they follow the Lord in faith. Yes, they stepped out with courage. But then they have to wait on God's timing to see the miracle happen. Now, we don't know how long the priest stood there at the water's edge. But that day, all of them learned this important lesson in faith. Even though nothing seems to be happening, we need to stand firm in the Lord. Even though nothing seems to be happening, stand firm in the Lord. Dear church, I don't know what you're going through right now. Perhaps you are praying, but you are sensing that, or, or it seems that there's nothing is going on. There's nothing happening. Maybe you're asking God to do something for a breakthrough, for, for something, for a deliverance, but it seems nothing is happening. But here is an encouragement for all of us. Stand firm in the Lord. 
when nothing seems to be happening, let your faith be strong, knowing that God is faithful. He is the living God who is at work. He is the Lord of all the earth, and He is the owner of everything, and He will fulfill His plans and promises for you according to His glory. So stand firm, church, in the Lord as you wait on Him. Stand firm on His word and on His promises. So may the Lord help us. Now again, why do we stand? Why do we need to stand? Again, the preacher one preacher tells us that he is the God of the already. God is already working out his plans and purposes for you. Already he has stopped the water. Already he has done the miracle. But you have to wait and see for the miracle by standing firm. Last January 2022, my wife and I discerned that God is ushering us into a new season in our family and ministry. And as we seek the Lord, we had evening talks and we have... Uh, after dinner, we, we would walk around near our place and we would talk with each other and pray. And after much prayer and seeking God, Michelle and I decided for her to step down as a full-time staff of CBCP. Of course, she would help me in the ministry, but her focus also would be more on the home front and discipling Chloe and Paige. But this is challenging because definitely it will affect our budget and household income. Now, here's what happened. On the day she submitted her resignation letter, we received an anonymous love gift. It was directly deposited in our bank account. To our surprise, we found out that the money was actually deposited a few days ago. Ibig sabihin nun, the money was already deposited during the time that we were still praying, that we were asking God. But at that time, we haven't had any clue that God is already working to answer our prayers. God already answered our prayers for provision, but we did not know it yet. Again, the miracle happened, but we have to wait on the Lord and see the miracle firsthand. As we move forward with courage, we need to do the same. We need to wait on God and see how he would work. Dear brothers and sisters, as we close, think about your life. Is there a Jordan River that you need to cross? Your Jordan River is something that God wants you to do. And it is not something that you only presume to pursue for selfish gain. Let me repeat that. Here is what, how we can interpret what the Jordan River is. Our Jordan River is something that God wants you to do. And it is not something that you only presume and pursue out of selfish gain. So we have to be very clear with that. And one way to know your Jordan River is knowing God's clear commands in his word. Now again, think about your life. Is there a Jordan River that you need to cross? Perhaps that crossing could mean letting go of sin and pursuing Christ's likeness. Or it could mean forgiving or reconciling with someone or restoring a broken relationship. Crossing the Jordan could mean transitioning into a new season, into a difficult situation, into a new beginning, however difficult it is, and follow to where God wants you to be. Or it could be taking on a challenge out of your comfort zone that would be a blessing to others. Now, the Jordan River crossing for you could also be saying yes to serving a ministry or sharing the gospel to your coworker. Or maybe it's fully trusting God amidst your suffering, your sorrow, your sickness or pain, and fully trusting Him and holding on to Him by faith. What is the Jordan River that you are about to cross? I pray that as you face this new year, you would always remember this reality, that whatever challenges you are facing, remember this lesson, that God is the living God who is at work to fulfill His promises and plans 
for his people, for you and me, for his glory. And so when facing the uncrossable, let us focus on God, follow in faith, and step forward with courage. Let us focus on God, follow in faith, and step forward with courage. May God bless us all. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the story of the Jordan crossing. Thank you for reminding us that you are the living God. You are our God who is alive and able, and you are powerfully at work on behalf of your people for your glory. And as we journey through 2023, assure us with your loving presence. Lord, we are scared and we feel sometimes that we are alone, but please assure us that you are with us. Grant us your peace, your presence. And as we make these decisions in our lives, in our family, our ministry, in our workplace, in our studies, would you please give us the wisdom and discernment to know what to do? Help us to rely on your spirit and guide us with your word. And give us a heart that delights in your instructions, O God. And give us the courage to obey, to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, as we run the race that you have set before us, help us to fix our eyes on our Lord Jesus Christ. Enable us and empower us with your spirit to start strong, to press on, and to finish well this year for the honor and glory of your name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Now, people of God, receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, and amen.